back to episode 22 of Gotta Snatch Em All, the podcast where I chat with my queer faves all about Pokemon and why it means so much to us in queer adulthood. My name is Alex. I'm your host. Guys, I can only apologize. It has been so long since our last episode. Life well and truly got in the way. I left my job um, as a teacher after eight years, which has been um, such a huge change uh, and kind of sort of turned everything upside down, really. But it has made way for this incredible new venture in my own manicure business, which I've spoken about on the pod before. Uh, In April, I decided that I was going to retrain as a manicurist. It was something that I really wanted to do for the longest time. Uh, And it's just brought me so much joy. It has been a complete privilege to meet the people who have been brought into my life through doing nails. Um, And one of my real missions with my business was to create this Uh, a manicure service that was kind of completely accessible for men, women, and kind of anyone who identifies in between. It's so important for me to create um, a space where genderqueer people can feel safe uh, and seen and included. And I'm so proud to say that it's been received really well by kind of my local queer community. I've got several non-binary clients who specifically kind of sought me out because they wanted to have, um, they wanted manicures, they wanted a house call service where, you know, they could feel completely comfortable getting their nails done. It wasn't like that kind of environment in a nail salon sometimes when you're sat between two strangers and people are looking in through the windows and stuff. Uh, and it just, yeah, m- means the absolute world to me that to know that, you know, within the queer community locally to me, that, that, that there are people that feel like they've been catered to, that, that didn't have a service that was there before where they felt like they could kind of safely and comfortably get their nails done it's just yeah it it's just been such a, a thrill so if you want to check out my work and what i've been getting up to then you can do so over on my other instagram which is at put.it.in.nudetral put it in neutral n-u-d-e-t-r-a-l uh, and also as well if you want to hear me talking about something completely unrelated to pokemon i featured on a podcast um Uh, The Clogasmic Podcast, which is just, isn't it just the most Hun name ever? Uh, An episode of the Clogasmic Podcast, which you can find on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, and I'm sure lots of other um, kind of good podcast providers. Uh, I talk all about my kind of reason for getting into nails, my kind of motive for for sort of wanting to start getting my nails done, and then how that kind of turned into my business venture. And a lot, I talk a lot about kind of my other loves in life, um, like fragrance and beauty and all of that stuff. So yeah, if you feel so inclined to hear me talking about something that isn't Pokemon, then please do be sure to check it out. Now, today's guest is such an exciting one. We have Bosco from season 14 of RuPaul's Drag Race. She was just so incredibly generous with her time, like just so positive and uplifting and just such an optimist. I just adored her. And despite numerous glitches with the Zoom call and like my internet connection, meaning that like we had like a five second gap between each other's responses, she was just so patient with me and just an absolute, I mean, an absolute vision to stare at for two hours on the other side of the screen. And it was an added bonus that, you know, we got to chat about this franchise that we both kind of happen to love. Um, And yeah, so she's even promised to let me do her nails the next time that she's over in the UK. So you guys, we have to hold her to this. Um, now, Bosco is still under a really strict contract from her season of Drag Race. So Drag Race is pretty much off the menu entirely in this conversation. Uh, and that's kind of how we both wanted it to be, um, because I'm sure after the last year, she's probably fed up talking about it. So I hope for this reason that this interview, you know, will provide a really gorgeous new introspective on Bosco's life and her influences and her inspirations that you guys might not have heard before. So yeah. Get yourself comfy, grab yourself a little caffeinated friendly and nuzzle down into this interview with the Seattle sensation herself, Bosco. 
Today's guest is a very special someone who we first fell in love with on our screens earlier this year throughout her tenure on season 14 of RuPaul's Drag Race. Her aesthetic sits somewhere at the intersection between scantily clad Cirque du Soleil acrobat and sexy BDSM Satanist sprung from the Sunnydale Hellmouth. With a wit as sharp as her buzzsaw tutu and a dumper as juicy as the tea that you're all probably hoping that she's going to be spilling, but we're still contractually obligated not to get into. She is the demon queen of Seattle herself. It is Bosco. Bosco, thank you so much for being here. Of course, baby. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. I love Pokemon, so I was really excited to be asked to talk about it. <laughs> I I literally just can't express, I mean, obviously, like, pre-recording, I was saying to you, I can't express how much of a gas it is to to have you on here. Um, knowing how much of a huge Pokemon fan you are is such a dream come true. I, um, I can remember, I think the point at which I knew that I had to have these conversations with you, have to, had to have this conversation with you, was when um, you tweeted really, really early on in your season, you were like, Guess what my three top my top three favorite Pokemon types are. <laughs> Absolutely. And I still don't know the answer. So please just give us just as like and normally we do this at the end in the quick fire round, but what are your top three favorite Pokemon types? Ooh, top three is definitely dark, poison, and electric. Those are my three favorite. That's the I literally went through that Twitter thread earlier on today as well, and I was just like, did we ever get to the end of this? Did we ever get the top three favorites? Yeah, I think um we got Poison and electric at some point. Yeah, I think we got there at some point. <laughs> um, Bosco, where are you joining us from today? I am the in the sunny anarchist district of Seattle, Washington. Um, it's currently snowing and it's really, really cold, but I'm happy to be home. I've been away for a bit over a month, so I'm really excited to be um, sitting in my apartment and hanging out with my cats. Um, best place to be. Couldn't ask for more. And yeah, you just got back from, am I right in thinking you just got back from a pretty big tour? Was it in like Australia and New Zealand? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was on some of that tour. Yes, 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 yes. So I had like back to back tours. So I'd like jump straight from like a Halloween tour to go over to Australia. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it was um, New Zealand and Australia. I had a lot of fun. I got to hang out with the top five gals for my season. And we've never gotten a tour with each other since the show played. So that was really fun. Mm -hmm. And I'm obsessed with New Zealand. Um, New Zealand is like my favorite place on earth right now. I cannot get enough. I I want to like move to Wellington. I've never been that smitten with the city. It's crazy. <laughs> Ain't it the truth? So I lived in New Zealand for 2018, 2019. So it is oh, yeah? a very, very, very special place to me. Um, when you were in Auckland, did you go to Family Bar? <laughs> yes, 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 yes. We did go to Family Bar. Um or we went right up the street. There's what? What is it? It's um. There's something the, the the street. There's like a street with like a lot of bars on it. Is it K? And we like hopped yeah. around there for um a little bit while we we're in Auckland. Yeah, 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 yeah. K Road. Mm -hmm. Um, it was really funny. Um, the there's like three of us just like trying to find like a bar to like hang out at for a moment. And then a Dua Lipa concert just got out and the place flooded with gays and we were just like bombarded out of nowhere <laughs> with people like, oh my God, are you? No, no, that's not me. <laughs> I think the last time that I was in a family bar before we moved back home was the night of the Halloween tour. I think it might have been season, uh, season 11 and... Um, yeah, it was like Raja and uh, Raja and Silky Not Meganash like <laughs> like storming the karaoke and family bar. That sounds about right. <laughs> it was the, it was the appointment. It, it was the place to, the place to be. Um, now, Bosco, tell us. 
about your drag and how how did you sort of like come to find your aesthetic that you are so kind of well known for now because this sort of incredible cross section that you found between kind of camp pinup fetish and would you say as well it's like quite sort of like dark and horror-y it's so unique how did you find your personal style in drag oh thank you um i it's like kind of a process to like develop like your own little like thumb mark like I started out just like pulling looks that I found interesting and then I really wanted to find something that like let me stand out and like let me have like my own identity within like the Seattle scene um because there's a lot of really fabulous look queens here um so I started like digging through my past and figuring out like what makes sense for me what like um can be tied into my own experience and what's interesting about that. And I was raised really, really Catholic. I went to church like twice a week growing up, had to learn all about like sin and hell and all that fun stuff. And yeah, I'm just like, you know what? That's kind of sexy and fun. Let's let's <laughs> dive into that. Like, I think it's um, a bit of a cheeky way to like, <laughs> kind of like pay homage to my childhood and also say fuck you to my childhood. I think um, th- there's a balance there. <laughs> And I think that's where a lot of it comes from. And I'm also definitely a little bit of an exhibitionist. So I just like being naked. And this was a really good avenue to do so. <laughs> and as well, in terms of kind of um, like pop culture figures and references and things like that, like who were your big inspirations that drive your drag? They kind of fluctuate all of the time. I, um, um, I'm obsessed with like any sort of like, villain in a movie I love like a high femme villain that's always like (laughs) who I gravitate towards the villain to who I gravitate towards in a movie who I want to win like I um saw Chicago the musical at a very young age um and I like I wanted to be Velma Kelly so bad I wanted the movie (laughs) to be about Velma Kelly I thought that she was the coolest best person that's ever existed um so I, I I find like a lot of like her in um, my stage mannerisms and like what I kind of give. Um, Elvira is always going to be up there. Um, she kind of like created the template of like spooky pinup burlesque queen with like a sense of humor. So she's always going to be there. Um, and like just like general reverence for like kind of pop culture divas one of my favorite people of all time is amy winehouse i don't know how much she plays into my drag but like i just think about her all the time so i'm sure she like bleeds into it somehow just like brunettes that are villains (laughs) (laughs) and also as well have you ever seen the empress new groove oh yeah Yzma? Like Yzma from the, For sure. Yzma from the Empress New Group, literally, with like, those, like, two-inch-long acrylics. <laughs> She's so funny. And then, like, to have Eartha Kitt, like, voice her, like, that's legendary. <laughs> <laughs> and what was your kind of gateway to drag? Because I know that you've spoken before about um, being a dancer, and that was your kind of real love. Was, is that sort of, like, what took you to Seattle and then kind of was your sort of gateway to doing drag? Yeah, exactly. Um, I um, wanted to find a way to make money dancing or choreographing or creating dance-based art and came to Seattle to like train, figure out if I could make it here in this city or if I needed to move to like LA or something. Fell in love with Seattle, kind of fell out of love with like using dance to make money because there's no money to be made in dance unless you were like um, 
like a bread ballerina where like you have been taking class and like that has been your life since the moment you were born which was not the case for me um so I started doing burlesque dancing and I started doing backup dancing for celebrity illusionists so I like watched all these girls like do drag and one I'm like oh this is cool this is really really neat and I also could definitely do this so I just like stole all of their tricks and took off on my own <laughs> now going back to to Pokemon like I said the, the moment that I kind of saw um that you had tweeted way back in your season about like what are my top three favorite Pokemon types like it's such an exciting thing to me which is what kind of was the real um the birthplace really for this podcast is me wanting to be able to have these conversations with my kind of my, my queer idols what um when did sort of pokemon first become important to you and when did you sort of first become aware of it um i've been playing pokemon the game um since i was about five years old so that would be 98 yeah 1998 so i've been like along for the ride since almost the very beginning yeah. Like, I remember playing Pokemon Blue before I could, like, read particularly well. Because I remember there being parts where I'm like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> but we're just going to click it and see what happens. Um, which makes the game a lot harder if you don't know how to read. <laughs> but I was still playing it all the time. I remember the first Pokemon I ever got to level 100 was a Dugong. I don't know why. I don't know why, but she was pussy. And she absolutely swept the entire fucking Kanto region. I loved her. She was great. Also as well, like justice for Dugong, because we have not seen a hide nor hair of Dugong in so long. Never makes the national decks. No, they've paid her dust. She never got like a mega. She never got, she's never really included in any national decks. She has like no upgrades. Like, I, I understand she's a very mid Pokemon, but I still love her. <laughs> But the whole of the whole of Lorelai's team, I feel like, holds such a special place in my heart. Like all five of like like Dugong, Cloyster, Jinx, Slowbro, Lapras, just up there in the the pantheon of just yeah, high camp Pokemon. <laughs> They're like that's like a good like that's a god tier taste of like team. Like I, I can tell a lot of a lot about a person based on like their like team taste and like those are all cool pokemon except for jinx i don't really have time for jinx but everybody else is a really cool pokemon <laughs> um so obviously you've kind of been on the bus since day dot um started off with the games was it always um was it only really the games or from the beginning were you kind of into the was it the anime and the cards and the merchandise as well or is it kind of only been only been like the video games that has kind of held your attention um, in the beginning, it was definitely like full Monty, like everything. Like I remember watching the first episode of Pokemon. I went to the first movie when that came out of Pokemon. Um, I had, I remember I had like a birthday on the road because my family was moving when I was six and my parents got me like 13 booster packs of Pokemon cards. And Fuck that was like me. one of my favorite birthday presents I've ever gotten. Like I have like this like really um, like clear memory of being in the hotel room with all of the Pokemon cards that I'd open on the hotel bed. And they're just like everywhere. And like, <laughs> I remember being so, so happy. <laughs> <laughs> it's just that I have this image of like Miley Cyrus during the bangers tour, just like throwing these Miley dollars in the air and her just like absolutely fucking just like basking in the moment. This is how uh, in my mind's eye, I, I'm imagining you on that birthday, just like launching these Pokemon cards into the air and just letting them rain down on you. Absolutely. <laughs> and so growing up like 
what else were pop culture wise like what else was there that you really kind of gravitated towards like on the podcast before I've spoken about how like for me as like as a, a queer person but like you know things like Sailor Moon and Buffy and stuff like were there any other um in terms of you kind of finding your sense of queerness at whatever point in your life that was what parts of pop culture like tv m- music pop stars films were the things that really kind of helped you find that sense of self um I'm a very like cringy and embarrassing person and it was even worse when I was younger. Um I'm I'm still to this day a huge anime fan and like I watched a lot of anime back in the day and I used to read a lot of fan fiction back in the day. <laughs> and like I think like so my gay awakening um nail straight awakening was definitely um I caught like uh um like an episode of Inuyasha on Adult Swim. And that was like very, very life changing. Um, and then I also used to read like gay Beyblade fan fiction. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> like when I was like in fifth grade, and I wasn't really sure. I like didn't put the pieces together that I was also interested in men at the time. I'm just like I just like the story. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm a really weird person. <laughs> it has not gotten much better. <laughs> I honestly though like I was saying on here before that I attribute my ability to write and like fucking knowledge of punctuation and sentence structure and stuff like that entirely from writing fan fiction though I think for me that was something where I really found a lot of escapism um so (laughs) I can't say that I was the author of (laughs) any queer shipping uh, (laughs) fan fiction on fanfiction.net though sadly so because I feel like that could have just been the well damn (laughs) the the stars aligning (laughs) I'm gonna find these authors one of these days (laughs) um now uh if I can ask about it as well you know you've obviously been on another incredible journey um with your gender identity uh over the last year uh, were there any kind of pieces of pop culture growing up over the last, you know, few years, perhaps maybe where you found them particularly kind of formative on you understanding and sort of like finding contentment in your gender? Um, I have always felt very femme. I've always felt very um, like I've never gravitated towards like many like masculine activities. I've never really gravitated towards like the idea of being a man like none of that's ever like made sense or like resonated with me so by the time I was like 18 and moved away I was pretty like vocally gender fluid or like we weren't really using the word non-binary um like 10 10 11 years ago but like essentially non-binary um and yeah like um I, I don't know I just started seeing it more for myself to like pursue medical transition and see how that made me feel going forward from there. Um, Just being surrounded by a lot of trans people, like there's a lot of trans people in Seattle that I work with and have worked with over the years. Um, There's a lot of trans people on my season where I'm just like, oh, you know what? If I can see it for them, I can see it for me. So like, let's see what happens. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, it's just, there's something to um, being finding finding your own spot in like the pantheon of like gender and transness and like figuring out how you fit into it and once you do it's it just everything just like opens up it becomes a lot more clear 
Yeah, completely. And I think it's such a, a nod as well to the fact that well, just representation is so important because ultimately you can't be what you can't see, right? Like whatever age you are, if the, if the representation isn't there, then there's no, you don't, I don't know, you don't know that that's necessarily going to be a possibility for you. So, I mean, what an incredible feat as well, though, for your cast, the fact that you have this sorority of trans sisters where you have... Just mean like you can all like learn from each other, live alongside each other, just it's nurture each other. It's just amazing. We're really, really lucky. We're really, really lucky. Like drag race is a really or the the program that we um I don't know how much I'm allowed to talk about is a very difficult process. <laughs> it's um, so having right, just having a whole um group of girls that like love each other and can support each other made it so much easier. Yeah, completely. Um, and obviously, like for lots of queer people, that experience of growing up and, and like adolescence can be a, a really, really isolated one. And so many guests who I've interviewed on here have explained about how Pokemon was like a source of escapism for them, like during these times. Was Pokemon ever a source of escapism for you at any point in your life? Um, yeah, I find I, I, I don't know if Pokemon in particular was like the biggest source of escapism as much as it was like a very fun distraction. Um, I, I always like the idea of like being able to leave home at like 11 or 12 and not have to like live with your parents and see the world. Like that always sounded really, really cool. Um, but yeah, I, um, used like any sort of like fantasy medium or like anime or any sort of like story that did not take place in this world as escapism, um, a lot growing up and Pokemon is definitely, um, fits into that umbrella of kind of fantasy series that I could lose myself in. Um, so which are some of your favorite games of the series? Well, I will always have like a soft spot in my heart for generation two. Um, I, I think it's just like a very, very like nostalgic generation for me where like, I just know like all the like spawn points, all of the encounter rates for like different areas. It just feels like home. Like Johto is just like a very, very familiar re region. <clears throat> I also love, um, I love like the Gen 3 remakes, like Leaf Green and Fire Red are some of like the like easiest for me to replay for whatever reason. I used to have them on like an emulator on my phone. Really just, I, in my brain, that's what like a Pokemon game looks like still. Like I know yeah. that was like, what, 15 years ago, but like that's kind of what my brain still thinks Pokemon looks like. Um, but I absolutely loved the newest one. Um, I have Scarlet. And while it's, like, still pretty buggy and, like, has its issues, I think it probably is the best Pokemon game made. It's so fun. It's so fun. Oh, my God. Like, I couldn't agree more. Like, I, I think that it, it did it did kind of piss me off just the, the tiniest bit that the gyms weren't scalable. I think that that was a rumor that was really being um, floated around for a long time, that the levels of the gym leaders were going to be scalable so that you could do them in any which order. Whereas, I, I guess, technically, the map is totally accessible, but you kind of do need to do the gyms in a certain order in depending on kind of where the levels of your own team are at. But oh my God, no, I couldn't agree more. I think that they absolutely delivered on it being this kind of sprawling open world situation. Um, the What do you think of the Gen 9 Pokédex? Are there any favorites that you have from the kind of the current, like the most recent roster? Yeah, I, um, I really like it. I feel like they really like um, <clears throat> capitalize on making like, fun little buds like there's a lot of like <laughs> little cute 
guys that I just want to hang out with in this Pokedex. Um, I'm not really good with the names of the newer generations. Mm -hmm. I just like know what they look at look like. I love um, the Weed Cat evolutionary line. She's really really cute. Um, Yaskara is, is that the is that the final evolution? I think really so, yeah. really like that one. Mm -hmm. It's so cool and like so powerful. Um, that one felt really really good. Um, who else did I really really like? Um, I I like the the graveyard dog. Um, he's really nice. Um, I like um, oh Mousehold. Mousehold is so so fun. I really like <laughs> that one. It's so silly. Um, oh, I I think probably one of my favorite additions to this um, generation is um, Giraffrig's, um evolution. I was so excited and shocked that like Giraffrig got like any sort of attention and love, and like its new evolution is really good. Um, at least in game, I haven't like tried her out like competitively or anything, but like in game, it's so fun and like its ability that keeps you from like getting hit by like priority attacks is fantastic because Sucker Punch could like absolutely wreck her, but now it doesn't even affect her. And Fake Out as well, completely. I think. Oh yeah, yeah is it Furigaraf? Isn't it Furigaraf? Um, yes. I it's the same thing with Weird Ear though. You know when Stantler got the evolution in Legends Arceus, I I'm a massive Gen two head just like you as well. Like it holds such a special place in my heart, the originals and the remakes in Heart Gold Soul Silver. Um, and so any kind of attention on Gen two Pokemon is just such a sweet spot for me. I was crying though that and the fact that they even had an entire fucking town dedicated to Sunflora who was just such an overlooked so grass type and just it needs that needed to be the fire grass jewel type th that we finally got instead we got the fucking double-headed chili pepper like which is still i really cool, don't like but... that pokemon i don't know I'm, i feel like it's like it needs one more evolution like i just feel like it's not there yeah completely that completely um so tell me more about gen 2 then because like, like you again like no inside out upside down back to front like if you, where would be your home in Johto? If you were going to have a home in Johto, where would it be? Oh, definitely Ecrotique. Um, I love ghost Pokemon. I love spooky, spooky little dudes. Um, I love um, Morty and I like his team. I like his illegal Gengar. Um, I don't know if it was illegal. He had like an illegal Haunter or something. I can't remember. He had something that was like underneath the level you needed to evolve it at, if yeah, I remember yeah. right something like that um but i just like that one a lot um i also love um uh what what's um what's claire's town called the dragon one black um, that one's blackthorn was so cool i love that and claire was such a cool um gym leader um i love kingdra i know kingdra didn't really age particularly well editively but I remember when Kingdra came out, like that thing was a monster. It had no weaknesses, which was like unheard of at that time. It just looked so cool. I love Kingdra. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, what was your kind of go-to Gen 2 team? Ooh, it's been a minute. Um, so I don't remember who exactly would be on it because I played it so many times that I tried like so many different combinations. I played through like with every starter, X, Y, and Z. My favorite Gen 2 Pokemon that I'll still like search out to this day though are I love Umbreon and Espeon. I thought that mm. was so major when they came out. They're still my two favorite evolutions. Absolutely adore them. Um, I love Houndoom. I think Houndoom is so deeply cool, so deeply Bosco, and has like always been one of my favorite Pokemon. 
and probably always will be. Mm -hmm. um, so let's say Espeon, Houndoom, um, love Scissor. Scissor is so, so cool. Like his design still stands up and is he's just a beast. So I love Scizor. Um, let's add in um, a Miss Magius, just because, like, why not? I think they're neato. <laughs> um, I love um, Miss Drevis, too. Like, she, no, Miss Drevis is the um, prior evolution, right? The, so yeah, cool, Miss Drevis is the, yeah, the, like, the, is the, is the first one. But, like, I always just thought as well, it was just such a missed opportunity. The fact that the whole Gastler, um, Ghastly Haunted Gengar line just had so much airtime in Gen 1. Why was Morty's key player not mischievous who is just this elusive ghost type that you never got until the very end in mount silver i just I and wasn't like trick. particularly good either <laughs> yeah. Um, I, yeah also like why was falconer's team none of the regional birds just all pidgeys like there's a lot of gen 2 that like was not um super well thought out but i still love it mm -hmm. um tyranitar always one of my favorite pseudo legendaries of all time she is so cool and let's add like a Skarmory to it. And I think that's five. Um, dealer's choice. Who should my six be? Mm. Have you got a water type on there? Uh, to be fair, I feel like the water types in, in Gen 2 weren't that stunning. I don't remember them really adding any. Um, for Alligator was a really great one for me. I loved for Alligator. But Octillery. I don't really remember like Octillery's kind of Mantine, mid. Mantine, fucking Mantine. I feel like Mantine's pretty befitting in your team. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm no, absolutely no to her. Oh, let's put Suicune in. Let's cheat. Let's use a legendary. I think Suicune's one of the most pussy fucking Pokemon designs I've ever seen. Like she is fierce. She had inches. She had attitude. She was she was definitely like a front runner for her season. She would be one of the girls that's definitely going to the finals for sure. <laughs> Um, and I was saying as well before we started that so I just got back from Japan when the when Scarlet and Violet was released and it is just it was just everywhere it was just so incredible to see I don't know what it was like over in the states but I, I've not seen much kind of advertising for it over here at all but we were talking to some people um, I was talking to this, this guy working in this coffee shop like over there and he was saying about how proud the Japanese are of the Pokemon franchise and how incredible like. It, one of my previous guests, Grace, she was saying it's the highest grossing franchise ever, like surpassed Disney, surpassed Star Wars. And yeah, the um, this 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 lovely guy who was saying about how proud the Japanese are of the Pokemon franchise. And, you know, they very much see it as even though it started off, obviously, as this kind of franchise for children, they see it as it's very much the gaming franchise in particular is is for adults, really, like the competitive element of it just makes it such a sophisticated system and yeah it was it was just like such a, a joy to see um now bosco if i were to encounter you on my pokemon journey where would you be hanging out so not just i'm not just limiting you to johto here although it could still be johto where would you be hanging out and what trainer class would you be so trainer classes are like would you be ace trainer would you be a hex girl would you be like a yeah it, it, i'm definitely a hex maniac for sure that's definitely the vibe. Love the Hex Maniacs. Um, I love the mediums too. The, the psychics are always like really cool and weird. Um, I think I'd be a Hex Maniac. And then um, I think I'd be in, what's the Unova, Unova um, city? The one that's kind of like New York where they have like an underground. Cast Castelia. Castelia? Castelia. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. I Castelia, so. like the Castelia underground. I'd be hanging out there in the sewers. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and uh, now we're going to roll reverse. So it is you who's on your Pokemon journey, and you've just ascended the plinth to take on the Elite Four. Who would be on your team of six? You've got you've got your pick from the entire national decks. So you're not confined to like starter evolution or anything like that. You can have whoever the fuck you want. Okay. Um, let's let's start with Gudra. I really like Gudra for whatever reason. <laughs> I think she's underrated. I think she's really really neato. Um, let's do Gudra. Let's do Melodic. Melodic. Um, I always love her. She is. I I like very um femme fun Pokemon. <laughs> Another one serving inches as well. Absolutely. Um, let's keep it going. Let's just do like all really cunt Pokemon. Let's do Frostlass. Um, Frostlass for sure. Um, let's do some type coverage. Let's get my Houndoom in there. Absolutely. Some Houndoom. Um, I think we could round things out a little bit with a Gengar. I think a Gengar would be really, really fun there. Um, Mandibuzz, because Mandibuzz is one of my favorite Pokemon. And again, so overlooked. I Honestly. Think that that was just, I, I just think that the whole kind of... Um, what's the baby Mandibuzz called? What's the... Oh, Vullaby. Vullaby, yeah. I think the whole, like, Vullaby and whatever the 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 eagle what was the little eagle? Braviary. Braviary, and then I don't remember what the little baby is. I'm pissed that I, there's always a bravery in like my games, but there's never the Mandibuzz. I always pick the wrong one, and I always get the one that I don't want. I think that it was just such a faux pas in Gen Five, Me, them being them evolving it like whatever it was. It was like level fifty something. Do you know what I mean? I think that making it such a kind of unattainable thing, where you couldn't even. It would have been such a great Pokemon to start off with on your journey, kind of almost like a. I know that they had the p-dove you know unpheasant thing as their kind of you know root one bird or whatever but i feel like that would have been such a good twist in gen 5 to have the gen 1 bird in black or white either which one be volaby and baby braviary and for it to just be like a really like level 25 or whatever for it to have been able to evolve i just think that would have been such a better choice it would have allowed them a lot more airtime because like i remember in gen 5 it was a really rare pokemon like I feel like to find Mandibuzz, you had to like go to a special grotto like on a Thursday or something. Like it was very time based back then, and it was just a really hard Pokemon to find. No, completely. I mean, there were plenty of questionable choices. I just love Vultures though; Gen- she's cool. <laughs> <laughs> plenty of questionable choices in Gen Five, but we we won't get into that. Um, who are your OG Pokemon that you turn back to time and time again? Um, I'll almost always have an evil evolution. Um, one of the Eevees on my team. I love them. Um, there's so many like different like specialized ones. Like, yeah, I I will usually fill a hole in my team with whatever I need. So if I need like a special attacker, I'll grab Jolteon or Espeon, depending on type coverage. Um, Umbreon's one of my favorite walls. I think it's also one of the coolest design Pokemon of all time. I was really, really stoked when Sylveon came out. I think she's really, really lovely. And I love that she's the trans colors in both her base form and her shiny form. And yeah, they're always great. Um, I, I do use Mandibuzz a lot. I know she's kind of hard to use because she evolved so late, but I love her. Um, yeah, there, there's a, I change out Pokemon a lot. 
Um, I, I have very little allegiance to one Pokemon, but I'm almost always using one of the evolutions. Um, if I'm doing a playthrough for a second or third time, and yeah, I don't know. I I, I try a lot of different things. I love Melodic as yeah. well. Mm -hmm. Um, now if you were a gym leader, what would the vibe of your gym be? What would your team be? And where would you sit in the lineup of eight gym leaders? Oh, I would definitely be the eighth for sure. For sure. <laughs> like not even a question about it. Like, I don't even know if I should be a gym leader or if I should be elite four, but like, that's like for another day. And you can be an elite um, four member if you want. We can, we can take the question. <laughs> Let's elite, elite four member four Bosco wants to battle. Absolutely. What would the vibe of your gym be? What would your type specialism be? Give us the whole the whole nine yards. I think we'd have to go like Dark Ghost. I think that's almost always the vibe, like aesthetically for me. I think that's really, really neato. Um, and I, I just love Ghost Pokemon. They're so weird and kind of super rare. And it would definitely be like a goth rave club where everybody's smoking cigarettes indoors and Bauhaus is like flaring. Um, no one's happy. Everyone's wearing all black and um, everyone's covered in tattoos. I think that would be the vibe. <laughs> I live. I love. <laughs> now, the big kind of umbrella question that this podcast is kind of trying to unpick and explore is why is it that so many queer adults still hold on to Pokemon so closely? And so I want to flip this question over to you, Bosco. Why do you think that Pokemon is so important to so many queer adults? Um, I think Pokemon is both parts like nostalgia and familiarity in a way that very few other like franchises have ever accomplished. Like for a lot of us who are like in this like ecosphere of like drag, we're, we're in close age range for the most part. So a lot of us came up with Pokemon and have been with Pokemon every part of our life, essentially. And like, since it's such like a formulaic franchise, it's like such a sense of comfort and support because you kind of know how it works and how it's gonna go. And I also think that like Pokemon is a really cool, not cool per se, but like a really good way of um, finding self-expression because there's so many different Pokemon that you can use to express yourself. There's so many different, um, types of trainers in the world there's so the 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 world is very very open and diverse and fun and like artistically interesting in pokemon and i think that it just gives you a lot to relate to especially like queer people oh my gosh completely i think that's just such a it's such a wonderful thing that you've touched on about how because the the pokedex is now just like so expansive if you are the sort of person that just wants to collect the cute ones you can collect just the cute ones if you're somebody who wants to collect the dark spooky ones you can collect the dark spooky ones you know what i mean it's such a i think even i think even in day dot when we just had 150 to pick from whatever type of person you were if you wanted if you wanted to be tough you could be tough if you wanted to just like i don't know collect like wiggly tough clefable chancy like you you could you, any type of person from from day dot with this franchise you could be the person that you wanted to be i just think that's such a a lovely thing that, that 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 you touched on and also as well the fact that you kind of we all go through so many changes like in just like the landscape of 
our life, particularly as a queer person, and kind of like how how we're identifying, how we're feeling. And I think that the Pokemon that you pick to kind of defend you, it's, it's that, that, that storyline as well of like, you are nurturing and raising and looking after these little creatures and they are defending you. They're looking after you. Who do you want to be representative of you? And yeah, just such a gorgeous answer. Thank you so much for that. Of course. Which is the queerest Pokemon of all? That's such a loaded question because I feel like different Pokemon like will represent different aspects of queerness. Because um, I think like if I were to meet somebody who like owned a Dragonair, I'm like, oh, this person's absolutely a bisexual. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I feel like you can tell like somebody's like orientation and presentation and gender identity based on like who their ace is. <laughs> um, I, I think Sylveon, just based on color scheme and typing alone, is probably across the board the queerest. Um, she was the first fairy type ever introduced, and she's like trans pride colors. Like, I don't really know if there's any like beating her on paper for like queerest Pokemon award. <laughs> she understood the assignment. Exactly. <laughs> Now, it is time for our segment, Super Smash Sisters, in which I duke it out with my guest with a team theme of their choosing. Now, uh, Bosco has chosen a team for me. So that was that was Bosco's challenge, where she was going to, you're going to be fighting with a team of your aces, and you've set me the challenge of fighting with quite a restricted team theme. Bosco, please tell our listeners, what theme did you choose for me? I chose food-based Pokemon. Um, because I really want to win this. And if I lose this, I'm going to feel like a giant asshole. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we are battling with a team of food-themed Pokemon. Now, this was a very interesting one to interpret because, um, obviously, this is probably the nichest, most restrictive theme that has been picked so far in all of our 22 episodes, particularly since um, with Scarlet and Violet as well, you know, we've got a pretty large breadth of food-related Pokemon that have just uh, kind of been introduced to us. Um, but I will say I was also kind of sneaky, and I thought a little bit more about uh, the Pokedex entries uh, and the kind of the references that they make to the food chain within the kind of like the, the Pokemon kingdom. So we will it see. Sounds like if, you're cheating. Yeah, so we'll, we'll see if Bosco lets me like have any of, these ba- any of these babies that I've picked. We're going to get into this battle, so we will be right back. And we are back. Bosco, what a battle. Please tell my <laughs> listeners exactly exactly what went down. Well, um, Alex is a cheater and you just like maybe two food-based Pokemon and the rest were like food adjacent, maybe sort of kind of. Um, however, I, um, I cheated because I got to use a team that I already used before. So I did win, but it was pretty close. And if I kept on making stupid choices and mistakes like I was through half the battle, I would have absolutely lost. Um, So GG. (laughs) (laughs) It was the, I will, as a caveat, I will say, the reason I kind of chose some kind of like food adjacent Pokemon was because it was such a limited, (laughs) it was such a limited pool to pick from. I was like, this is going to be, to be fair, actually, maybe it would have been super interesting. We just, if we just had exactly the same team and just... 
if we were, right? if we were given the six same Pokemon, maybe that's what I need to do for at some point in the future. Is like we're both given the same the same six Pokemon, and it's just do with them what you will. But um, <laughs> Bosco, tell us about who was on your team because it wasn't a massive amount different from the Elite Four team that you were talking about early on, was it? Yeah, I definitely have like my tried and true favorites that I think about a lot. I had the Gudra that I um like. I, I don't know why, but she's just always resonated with me. I love Kudra. Um, I had um, a Caesar, which I talked about as being one of my favorite Gen 2 Pokemon. She's a fabulous sweeper with really good typing. Um, I had a Slowking, who I just think is really neat. I really like Slowking. Also a Gen 2 Um I had a Gengar, which was on my Elite Four team as well. And Gengar just rocks. Really, really good revenge killer. And she came in clutch for, like, the home stretch of this game. And who else was there? Arcanine? I, I, or Arcanine? I, I never know. Um, who is... I just like the dog Pokemon. Mm. I think they're really neat. And he's just a great Pokemon that's just always been around. The goodest boys, chilling. right? The goodest boys. So good. Does. So goodest. <laughs> exactly. And then who... Oh, I had a Klefki. I don't know. I just like Klefki. I think it's funny. I think it's like a really stupid Pokemon idea to like make a Pokemon that's a key ring, but I really like that. <laughs> and it has Prankster, which is one of my favorite abilities in the game. Say no more. Say no more. It, it, it was, like you say, I was I was proud of how much of a close call it was, but I mean, you, you got me good in the end. Uh, on my team, like I said, I went for a real cross-section of some Pokemon that were literally based on food, and then some that kind of lean more so into the kind of the Pokedex entries that tell us more about kind of like where those Pokemon sit within the food chain of kind of like the Pokemon Kingdom. So uh, my first two were Toxapex and Cursula introduced in Gen 7 and Gen 8 respectively, because when I feel like that was the point at which the, the Pokedex entries really then became more referential of like the kind of ecosystem of the Pokemon world. So Toxapex based off the Crown of Thorn Starfish, which feeds off Coral or Corsula, which it was in the game, which is how Cursula came about referencing ghost coral so that was kind of like where the food <laughs> the food theme kind of came into play loosely kind of sort of made we were reaching <laughs> reaching for the theme it was some top shelf it was some top shelf stuff um i then chose mm -hmm. sharpedo which in its moon pokedex entry so it was a lot of fun being able to do this research in its moon pokedex entry it says about it having this really really sad history because it was essentially kind of overfished uh, for its dorsal fin to be used in um, in food and dishes and stuff. And it was like a real delicacy, which I guess is a bit... So of you're a... contributing to the problem, <laughs> is what you're telling me? <laughs> you are um, also adding to the shark fin problem? <laughs> the shark fin soup? By illegally sourcing Sharpedo, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's fucking brutal, literally. When I was like looking into it, I had to like close the laptop lid because apparently like once they like cut it off, they put them back in the water still alive which is just yeah horrendous anyway pretty horrific uh then uh al creamy just stunning just like this camp as fuck like twinkie johnny bravo with its massive raspberry ripple quiff just just so cute just stunning just stunning uh uh appleton which um doesn't look entirely i was saying to bosco doesn't look entirely different from my uh, cavalier king charles spaniel and no diet has just as big of an appetite um and finally surfetched just purely because you know it's carrying a pretty fucking girthy leak um not to mention as well i love how far-fetched when 
So on the back of our earlier conversation about like you, there are so many of these kind of like long forgotten Pokemon like we were saying about like Dugong and stuff, Farfetch'd was so long forgotten for for so many generations. And then all of a sudden it had this kind of renaissance in Sword Shield uh, and ended up making it, making history as one of Ash's winning team in the anime. Like I just like... Yeah, I don't know. What a victory. What a victory for all the Farfetch lovers that are around the world, no? All three of them, yeah. Good for them. <laughs> <laughs> the one that's the big... And it, 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 like, because of being in... Um, when I was in, in, in Japan, like, earlier on um, this month was when the episode... Uh, when the episode dropped, where Ash, like, won the, the World Series. And so there were... Like, you'd be on the... Um, on like the Shinkansen, like on the train, on the metro, whatever, and there would just be these little kind of screens that had that was like that were playing clips of the anime because it was obviously being it was being advertised that it was like the drop of this episode. And seeing that team, how the hell on earth Dracovish made it on? Just Dragonite, totally get it. Gengar, totally get it. Lucario, totally get it. Surfetch, bit of bit of a stretch, but Dracovish, just baffling. I've never used Dragonfish, and I don't really know anything about her. Um, I just, I, I, I find that Pokemon to be like wildly unesthetically ple- pleasing. <laughs> I just think it's really ugly, and I refuse to use ugly Pokemon. So I don't know anything about her. Also, as well, I just can't help but think like with the whole the way that like Farfetch'd, like the Galarian Farfetch'd evolves into Surfetch'd and stuff with getting the three critical hits in a row. I think it's three anyway. Like. Thinking back, if that kind of method of evolution was around, or even just being a kid, like being, I don't know, like a kind of seven-year-old and getting into Pokemon and perhaps maybe not having the wherewithal about you to know where to look online for those types of kind of... Say, for example, you know that you've got a, you've got a Galarian Farfetch'd, you know that the Galarian Surfetch'd exists, but like, how the fuck on earth do I evolve this thing? Like, in, like in the 90s, imagine if that was like a method of evolution, like with red and blue, you just would never, you would just never be able to do it. Like how on earth would you ever like find out how to do it? Just be this, this playground rumor. Right. At this point, I, I feel like Pokemon has fully just gone into the point where you're just like, yeah, you need to look online if you want to figure out how to like evolve all of these Pokemon. Cause like, there's no way to figure out these evolution methods anymore. Like I, I part of my brain's always like, you should, you should just try and figure out it in game. I'm sure there's hints. A lot of times there's not. Mm. So you like have to go online. Like I remember, um, what was it? Gen five with like Malamar. Like you have to hold it upside down. Yes. You have to hold the, the the Nintendo DS upside down after it gets to a certain level. You would never figure that no. out. You would never figure that out in a million years by yourself. Or like with Al Creamy, like when you have to spin around on the spot. I do like them. I do like the the crazy methods. I feel like it was kind of Gen four, the point at which the these kind of strange evolution methods kind of came into play where it was like licky licky and ambipom like where pokemon had to know certain um like certain moves before they could evolve and obviously after that i feel like the malamar one i feel like that is the point at which it kind of like fell off the back like (laughs) fell off the cart we're getting a little crazy at that point for sure yeah Now it's time for our last segment, What is Making Me Gay This Week, where my guest and I share a piece of popular culture with our listeners uh, that has made us feel particularly inspired or happy or just downright queer recently. Bosco, what has been making you gay this week? Oh, um, I am very, very much 
enjoying um, Chainsaw Man at the moment. Um, I think it's a fantastic series. I've read every every single um volume that's come out, and I'm like up to date on the series as it like comes out in like manga form. But like seeing it animated has been absolutely fantastic, and yeah, I think that's that's what's keeping me gay at the fantastic. moment. Can you tell us a little bit more about Chainsaw Man? It's not it's not like a a series that I'm particularly familiar with. No worries. It's um, it's one of the newer like big name um anime releases that's happening right now. It like the manga really caught on like really really in a big way during quarantine during the covid quarantine lockdowns and it just kind of exploded and it's this like really funny visceral gory horny um action um tale and it is just really really interesting it's about the story of this boy named denji who becomes fused with um, the devil that represents chainsaws. And then he starts hunting other devils. And the devils in the story are as powerful as they are feared. Like, I don't know if you've ever like read American Gods, where like in Neil Gaiman's world that he made, like a god is as powerful as many people who believe in it or pray to it. And that's kind of the same idea here. Like, the more scared people are of a concept, the stronger that devil is. So like one of the most powerful devils in this universe is the gun devil. Um, And yeah, it's just really, really funny. Very horny, very weird, um, almost nihilistic at times. And I don't know, it just is, it's, it's a, it's a new flavor of manga and anime that I haven't um, enjoyed before. And it's really, really fun. I like it a lot visceral gory and horny as well do you feel do you feel seen do you feel oh absolutely i'm like that is kind of my brand <laughs> uh and the thing that has been making me uh gay this week is something that has uh, made me a little bit teary as well um last night i attended the memorial gig for uh cherry valentine in london who oh. um of course we all know and loved from season two of Drag Race UK. And I've spoken on numerous occasions um, in earlier episodes and on uh, my Instagram about how like deeply I loved and respected Cherry and her talent and her warmth and her spirit. Um, she was my winner, like from the moment that those Meet the Queens videos dropped in that like red leather gown, with that horned wig and those red sclera contact lenses, I was just captivated. And uh, I know that with every season, there's always that one girl that you just think, oh my God, no, like she just went way too soon. Um, and I like never felt that way more than I than I did with, with, with Cherry going out so early. And just like week after week as well after that. And obviously it was like in the, in the height of lockdown again here. So we were all just... I think there's a reason why season two of you, like Drag Race UK is just held in such high regard. And uh, I think we all really, really needed it at that point in the lockdown. Um, every week post her exit, she was posting these looks that she was planning to wear for the runway themes. And I just can't express um, like how devastated I still am really by her loss, really. And to see so many people turn up for her last night, it was all for charity. Um, all of the tickets were just like a voluntary donation. It was like packed to the hilt. 
uh, it was um, Amazing Traveller Pride were there, which is an organisation that she worked really closely with, and they announced that they, in honour of her name, they've put together this bursary that is going to help people from the traveller community um, go into further education, which is just, yeah, amazing. Just the most incredible array of talent as well that performs in, in honour of her. It really did just make my heart so full to know that she will live on forever, immortalised in our memories with just that incredible laugh. So yeah, Cherry Valentine, you uh, make me gayer than anything uh, that, you know, and your, your loss is, yeah, her loss has just felt so, so, so deeply. But um, all of the good that I know that she started will be carried on by those of us that loved her so much. So yeah, sorry to get a bit bleak there, but yeah. Just um, it's okay. No, it's not bleak. It's just honoring her memory. I never got to meet her, but she seemed like a really sweet girl. Oh, very, very talented drag queen. Enormously so, yeah. And I think the thing that always really, really resonated for me was the her story of coming from the traveler community. Um, obviously, I've spoken here about. I worked as a teacher for eight years. The the area that I taught in there was quite a, a big community of traveler families who I worked with quite closely, uh, and to for her to just speak so openly about you know being queer within the traveler community and how she felt that there wasn't a place for her and then the documentary that she made just yeah just she was a a very 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 special one to me so um the losses felt so enormously and I still yeah I don't know I still don't feel quite like recovered from it really I, I yeah so just um yeah just an amazing person Bosco before we go can I interest you in a quick fire round Sure, let's do it. Pokemon Go, yes or no? Not anymore. Ever caught a shiny? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I've caught several shinies. The latest one that I caught was um, a snow run in Pokemon Scarlet. What was your first ever... This is, I always love asking, asking this question because I feel like we all know. What was your first ever random encounter shiny? Oh, honestly, I think it was a Rattatat. It was something really lame. It, it like didn't matter. <laughs> uh, you've already asked this, but favorite type? Um, dark, poison, electric. If you had to pick one out of those three, probably dark. <laughs> Hottest professor? Oh, I really liked the professor in Scarlet. I think she was really really hot. I liked that <laughs> a lot. And then um, I, uh, is Gen 2 the one with the kind of thicker professor? No. Which one has the kind of thicker professor? Gen 3? That's Gen 3. Yeah. There's that Professor yeah. Professor Birch. Professor Birch. Absolutely. My type of guy. <laughs> uh, favorite starter? Ooh. Oh, what, what a loaded question. Um, let's just go with the first one that comes to mind, and that's Cyndaquil. Stunning answer. Grass starter, water starter, or fire starter? Oh, it depends. It depends, man. Um, um, um. I usually gravitate towards the water starter. I'm going to re rephrase the, the first question. So, Cyndaquil, favorite fire starter. Who are your favorite grass and water starters? Um, I love Trico. Trico is probably my favorite grass type starter. Um, and for water, who would it be? Who would it be? Who would it be? Who would it be? Honestly, I love Squirtle. 
I know it's not not a like particularly interesting answer, but yeah. It's done. Favorite region? Probably Johto still. Favorite gym leader? You know, it's been Sabrina for a very, very long time from Gen 1. But the ghost trainer, whose name is escaping me, um, it's like MC, MC something. The ghost trainer from the latest gen is so cool. I loved her. Um, I, I want to say her name was like MC Rhyme or something like that. She was awesome. I haven't got to that point yet, so I'm very, very, very She's excited. Cool. <laughs> uh, favorite Elite Four member? Oh, I love Agatha. I love how grumpy she is. I love how she used to fuck <laughs> Professor Oak, and I love her team. <laughs> also, I feel like Karen is very on brand for you, no? Just this, like, sultry, oh, brooding. Sure. <laughs> it doesn't really make sense with, like, her aesthetic that she's, like, the ghost-type trainer, but, like, still rocks. Also, I love, like, a random Vile Plume. I, I think Vile Plume needs more love. I love oh, Vile Plume. Absolutely. And another one I feel like that kind of, to be fair, it stands really well on its own two feet, but I feel like a mega revolution probably could have, you know, just, just elevated it just that little bit more. For sure. Where would you most want to visit in the Pokemon world? Mm. Oh, I don't know, friends. Um, what was it blackstone i think blackstone would be really really cool um the dragon oh blackthorn type town uh blackthorn i think blackthorn would be really really cute um i think one with the with the the funeral tower in generation one would be fun oh lavender lavender town lavender town yeah yeah and um i don't know area zero in the newest pokemon was really really neat and i liked it a lot i'd probably die if i went there but it was really cool <laughs> if you could have any pokemon as your real life partner who would it be probably i think an umbreon would be neat like they're the perfect size to be following you around all the time they're strong it's stylish it matches all of my clothes yeah let's go with an umbreon bosco like what a joy this has been like i cannot thank you enough i cannot express how much like joy and warmth and hilarity you brought us all during your season and you have just continued to give us so much brilliance excellence just creativity i cannot wait i cannot wait to have you back over in the uk so i can have you on the other side of my nail table absolutely <laughs> pimping those cuticles it's just been an just an, an absolute dream to have you thank you so much of course. Thank you so much for having me. This is a lot of fun. I enjoy talking about Pokemon. So this is neato. <laughs> Trainers, that is all we have time for today, but you can subscribe and you can rate me five stars on Apple and Spotify podcasts. It really helps. If you're a newbie, please make sure you go and check out all of my previous episodes with all of my incredible guests. You can follow me on Instagram at goddessnatchemall.pod and Twitter at goddessnatchemall. Bosco, where can my wonderful listeners find you? I'm under here is Bosco for all of my socials that I am regularly on. <laughs> Our intro and outro music and sound effects are all provided by Just Noble on YouTube. And this podcast is distributed by Anchor. I'm your host, Alex, and I hope you have a wonderful rest of your week. Bye. Bye. <laughs>